Good morning, Cornerstone. Scripture reading for today is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. I'm going to be reading in NIV. Um, please follow on the, on the screen. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessings, because to this you will call to you will call so that you may inherit a blessing. It's the word of the Lord. Good to see everyone this morning. Hello. Hello. What's up? That's a deep question. Yeah, go on multiple levels with that. Well, next Sunday, we're going to start a new sermon series on the book of Ruth. So that's just a preview of what is coming up. And this Sunday, therefore, is the last of a series of messages on this series that we've called Habits of the Heart, which are focused on spiritual disciplines that point us in our everyday stuff of life to Jesus as Lord and how we then can remind ourselves of that truth and point others to that truth. And Norm, thank you so much for organizing these new air conditioners. Huh? Let's give them a hand, huh? <laughs> yeah, because last week it was a little warm in here, and they were supposed to have it done by last Sunday, but at least they're working by this Sunday, yes. Yeah, amen. Yeah, so today's focus is on this habit of compassion. You may be wondering, like, a habit of compassion. What what do you mean by that? Well, hopefully by the end of the message today, we'll have a better understanding. An example of compassion from last century, that would be the what century? 20th century, the 1900s, that kind of century, is this lady called, I think her name is Dame Cicely Saunders. And she was the founder of what we know as the modern-day hospice movement. And specifically, she started this in St. Christopher's Hospice in London. And this is back in the early 1900s. She was a social worker and a nurse, and she was really appalled by the way the medical staff that she interacted with treated people who were facing death. They were basically terminal. They were going to die. And in its essence, they were being treated as failures because, you know, there's nothing that the medical staff could do to save them, so they were just on their way out. And she was appalled by how they were treated. And she tried to change the system, but without avail uh, any success, so because she was a nurse and nobody listens to a nurse. So she went back to medical school and became a doctor uh, before she then founded this place where people could come to die with dignity and without pain. And now there's hospices all over the world. Over 40 countries have hospice programs, and there's 8,000 hospices alone in the United States today. So it's just spread, this whole idea from this Miss um, Saunders. And Saunders believed because the Christian faith, because she is a follower of Christ, that those who are facing death would be best cared for by those who have hope in the next life because their physical, emotional, and spiritual care would be best taken care of by those of us who follow and have hope in Christ Jesus. That was why she was so motivated to show this compassion in this way. 
So Dame Cecily Saunders had compassion for these people who were about to die, who were facing death, who were facing pain, maybe being alone, and would speak the gospel of Christ to them and in a very practical way as well as with her words. That's just an example of one uh, person showing compassion and the, the way it just spread around the world. What is compassion? Why do we as followers of Jesus, as the Lord of all, have this habit of the heart of compassion? Why? Well, let's first look at what is compassion. The word simply means to feel passion with someone. Uh, to enter into someone's sorrow and pain sympathetically. So you think of Christ Jesus, right? He definitely entered into our sorrow and pain sympathetically by immersing himself in our world. But listen to how the Lord God himself described his own being to Moses when he appeared to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6. This is the Lord's words about himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And when we look at the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate revelation of God's compassion, of showing sympathy for us by joining us as a man in this world, living with us, dying with us, and ultimately redeeming us. He, is, he sympathetically entered our pain and sorrow. What's interesting is the Hebrew words for the adjective compassionate and the noun compassion are very closely related to the Hebrew word for a woman's womb. Interesting, isn't it? Because the image of God as compassionate invites us to imagine it's so much like the mother's tender feeling she has for her infant. And, and that is a strong emotional connection there. And it's like the story that we maybe have heard in the Old Testament when King Solomon met these two women who had just recently given birth. And sadly, one of their babies dies. But both women come to the king claiming that the one that is still living is both theirs. So King Solomon says, okay, let's get a sword and cut the child in half and we'll give each piece to both women. Well, the mother of the child, the real mother of the child, and is deeply moved, and she would rather give her child to the other lady than see her child killed. And her compassion revealed to the king and everyone there that she was the true mother. Compassion is this deep emotional connection that is portrayed even in the Hebrew word. Our text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 is really a series of adjectives in the original language of Greek, which it was written. It almost seems like um, commands to us, but it's actually just a list of adjectives for those of us who are called to follow Jesus. And one of those adjectives is compassionate. And so let's look again at our text today. It says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Be compassionate. This speaks of an attitude. It's intentional. It's like an emotion that is expressed in action to show compassion 
outwardly. It's like when we're emotionally committing ourselves to one another. We must be connected in some way to show compassion to each other, to express it. Not to just remain intellectually or theologically connected, but to be emotionally connected. In the sense, there's that love. And I love that song, Oh, How He Loves Me. Because when we sing that and we dwell on the love of God he has, that is us experiencing and dwelling on his compassion for us, his children, his creation. Because he's our one who formed us. And he formed us out of his love for us. You know, at times we're really hurting. We want somebody to be there with us, to be crying with us, not necessarily preaching at us or counseling us right away. We just want that compassion. We need that presence. Why is compassion a habit of the heart of the followers of Jesus? Well, it's because God is compassionate himself. And because when we follow and worship the Lord Jesus, then our hearts by his spirit are being transformed, molded, shaped to be like the heart of God. And so if he is a compassionate God, then we will have this habit of compassion growing and forming in us and being expressed through us. Listen to how the Lord speaks a couple different ways in the Old Testament on different occasions. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9. He's speaking to the Israelites here. He says, If you return to the Lord, then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. There's so much there. His grace, his forgiveness, his compassion. And then the Lord said in Isaiah 49, 15, he says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And though she may forget, I will not forget you. Again, this is capturing on this image of the Hebrew word of a mother and her tender connection to her infant. And then listen to the prophet Jonah. I love this one. Jonah, who is like the most horrible example of a prophet ever in the Old Testament and in the whole of Scripture because he's a horrible guy. You know, he just, everything God told him to do, he did the opposite. But here's the, I mean, eventually he did do it, but um, not willingly at first. Jonah, chapter 4, verse 2. He's praying to the Lord. He says, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. God is compassionate in his nature toward you and me and this dark world. He has compassion for those who have no compassion for him. That's the amazing nature of our God and what we just sang about of his deep love that is all wrapped up in this being that we call the Almighty Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we follow Jesus, then our hearts are transformed to be compassionate. So being compassionate is intentional, meaning it is expressed in our actions, and therefore it can be a habit of ours. We can't be compassionate and do nothing, like the pirates who don't do anything. You guys know that song? Veggie Tales. We are the pirates, don't do anything, right? It's one of my theme songs sometimes and how I feel, right? <laughs> I don't want to do anything. But compassion is action. 
It's expressed, it flows from our hearts to something actual <laughs> that is going to happen through us. It's observable, it's obvious, and God's compassion can be seen in his slow to become angry, his abounding in love, his relenting from sending calamity in our lives that we actually deserve because of our sinful rebellion. This is his show of compassion to us. God's compassion is displayed ultimately and specifically in Jesus, coming, becoming flesh, living among us, teaching and showing his power to all people that were around him, then dying on our behalf, paying the penalty we deserve, then rising again, showing that who he is is the living God in flesh, and then offering eternal life to us who follow him. That is the ultimate demonstration of compassion for us. Can you think of something in your life that you've done in the last, I don't know, few days that you would label as compassionate? If you're a follower of the living, compassionate God, there must be something expressed from your aligning yourself with the living Lord, Jesus Christ. If we're having a hard time, there's this other aspect, is that sin sucks the compassion out of our hearts. Our own sinfulness, if we don't deal with it, it just sucks it out. No more compassion, or very little, less and less. Uh, sin blinds us to our own sinfulness and how we desperately need Redemption in Jesus Christ. It blinds us to the compassion of God and how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. We don't think about that very much because we feel like, yeah, I'm okay. The more we feel that, yeah, I'm okay, the less compassion we will have because we do not realize we are desperately in need of God's saving grace because no matter how okay you are, you are a despicable sinner without Christ. And we need his saving grace and his deep compassion in Jesus Christ. Sin perverts us from believing that something is pretty bad. Actually, sin actually makes us start believing that whatever is really bad for us is actually pretty good. Yeah, and it's like this, uh, these bugs in this video in um, Aunt Z, this movie if you've ever seen Aunt Z. So uh, it's just a 12-second clip. Go ahead and show this. We become like these bugs. You're going to have to turn on the audio. This stuff tastes like crap. Back it up. You missed the beginning. Start again. This stuff tastes like crap. Really? Let me try some. Hey, it is crap. Not bad. That's it. (laughs) We get to be just like these insects. The things in our life, thanks to May for this, she, we were talking about the message. She goes, oh, you remember that scene? <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it's so true. We begin to eat the crap, maybe our own crap, and we're like, yeah, not bad. You want some? <laughs> because we're just blind to the unhealthy, destructive ways that our own sin blinds us, and it sucks the compassion out of our heart. We don't even think about showing compassion to others. We grow in compassion when we focus less on ourselves and more on the compassionate God, Jesus Christ, 
in the flesh, incarnate. So to be compassionate means we intentionally seek to be aware of the situation of those around us. That's a practical way of showing compassion of God is by taking the interest of those in and around us in our normal lives and not to be just so focused on ourselves. This is hard today because so many things around us encourage us and say, hey, think about yourself, your interests only, your cravings, your desires. Matter of fact, here's a platform for you to do it. And it's all these things like our cell phones, social media, YouTube, whatever we do, they're designed to feed us with what we like. Did you know on Facebook, if you click like, it remembers that. So it feeds you more of what you like. And it just keeps, that's, that's everything in our service, streaming services, etc. They encourage us to focus on what we like, what we enjoy, what we crave. And everything is tailored to our interests. That's why we can't get rid of our phones because it's just so much. I like it because it feeds us what we like. You know, I go for a walk most mornings and I've noticed that most people that I come across walking either have earbuds on or headphones or they're like facing their phone, whatever it is. And when I try to say hi to them, I've stopped trying to say hi because they don't even hear me because I'm like, hey, how you doing? Good morning. You know, <laughs> or they're just jogging and they got their headphones on. They, they don't hear me. And so until they have like eye contact, then I'll just say like that. And then, I'll, okay, yeah. Because they're not really aware of their surroundings. They're so wrapped up in their own world, their own bubble, they're not even like, they don't even want to interact with other people, right? They're just listening to their podcast or music or whatever they're doing, right? They're, they're just in their groove. It's hard for us to show compassion when we are not even aware of the opportunities around us to do so. And that is why we need to be aware of these things. There's, there's an illustration of this that is so good that May and I watched the other night on Steve Hartman's On the Road. Listen to this. CBS's Steve Hartman finds that sometimes the best lessons happen on the bus ride home from school. Here's this week's On the Road. It was end of day for students at Carter Middle School in Warren, Michigan. But for those on bus 46 that April afternoon, it was the beginning of an unforgettable ordeal. All of a sudden, the brakes get slammed. We all were just terrified and shocked. And that's when I like, looked up and saw him. Seventh grader Dylan Reeves had grabbed the steering wheel. Soon after, police called the boy's father and stepmother, Steve and Iretta. Are you the parent of Dylan Reeves? And I said, yes. And I go, what do you do? And he goes, no, this is a good phone call. Your son's a hero. He stopped the bus. Stop the bus? Like, what? What? The officer went on to explain, and security footage shows, how Dylan noticed the driver was having a medical emergency and immediately sprang from his seat. I just knew what to do in that moment. The bus was swerving off the road. So Dylan took the wheel, hit the brake, and gained control of the situation, saving driver and students. A true hero, no doubt. But we still had a question. Why didn't anyone else notice what was happening? Well, turns out. Had my AirPods in. Virtually every kid. I was looking at my phone. Was on a device. I was on my phone playing a little game. 
We hear a lot about the consequences of too much screen time, but one thing I never considered until now is the loss of situational awareness. What's happening around them? And yet somehow, at least one kid on that bus instantly recognized what was happening. Any guesses as to why? I know why, because my son does not have a cell phone. And Steve says, that's the lesson here. What else are you going to do when you don't have a phone? You're going to look at people, you're going to notice stuff, you're going to look out the window. It's a very powerful lesson. Maybe change world kind of lesson, I don't know. At least a save the bus kind of lesson. And they say reason enough to hold off getting him a phone for another day. How do you feel about that? Whatever. My parents are old school. But for good reason. I guess. Sometimes even heroes have it hard. <laughs> Steve Hartman on the road near Detroit. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, the habit of the heart of compassion flows from the heart of God, and God is very much aware of your needs and my needs because He's the living God. We're not God. We don't know everybody's needs, but are we even aware of the people that are in our sphere of like sight, of hearing, or are we just so focused on ourselves? When we travel, commute, go to school, ride the bus, whatever things, are we just, these are opportunities for us as followers of Jesus just to be aware of the opportunities to show compassion in a practical way in the name of Jesus, especially when people would say, why would you do something like that? It's because... Jesus loves you, and so do I. Well, you might want to say, so do I, because that would be a little like, Wah. but you just say, Jesus loves you. That's why, yeah, I show compassion. Yeah, you know, Jesus told this, this parable of how the compassion of God is supposed to and is expected to transform us into action and what happens when it doesn't from God's point of view. Have you ever heard of the parable, the unmerciful servant? It's the story of a king. Whoops. Yeah, there we go. Of a king who has a servant. And when he's given, calling to account his servants, this servant owed a huge amount of money to the king. He couldn't pay it off. So the king was going to sell this guy, his wife, and all his children, and all that this servant had and owned to just sort of pay off some of the debt. And then he was going to put them in prison, the servant in prison. Well, the servant, as you see here, pleads, bows down on his knees and pleads with the king and says, please be patient with me. I will pay you back everything. Yeah, how is he going to do that? But the king takes pity on him, forgives, forgives his debt, and lets him go. Well, the story goes on that just a short time later, then another servant comes to this first servant, and, and this first servant, uh, this guy owes this first servant money, just a small amount. And so he grabs this other servant and he says, pay back what you owe me. And that guy pleads with him and goes down on his knees similarly and says, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything. But this first servant refuses and throws this guy in prison until he can pay back his debt. Well, when the king found out about what, this, what had happened, he brought that first servant in his presence, reinstituted the huge debt and threw him in prison until he could pay off his debt. See, the, the way that that first servant was forgiven of his debt, where the king showed great compassion on him and his situation, it did not change that first servant. And so, actually, what was done 
was removed in the, in the parable. There is this strong expectation or evidence that if we are following the compassionate, gracious God who is abounding in love, then our hearts will be transformed because of his spirit that dwells within us by faith. And so there should be evidence of us growing in compassion. And when we don't see that evidence, then we realize that we need to examine what sinful ways are sucking the compassion out of our hearts that, so it can't be expressed. Matter of fact, I, you know, if you think like, man, I really don't care for other people, <laughs> that means you have no compassion. You know, Steve Shogren, in his book called uh, Conspiracy of Kindness, shares this illustration in action of compassion. Very simple, practical illustration. And he writes, and I quote, On Friday evening before Labor Day rush hour, traffic was backed up for nearly a mile at the corner where our church is located. And temperature was 95 degrees with a matching humidity level. So it was horrible weather. So about 10 of us, the church, about 10 of us from the church quickly went into action to touch several hundred hot, frustrated motorists with God's love. We iced down 400 soft drinks and set up signs down the road away from the intersection saying free drinks ahead. And as drivers approached the sign, we would ask, would you like diet or regular? And the, most of the people would say, diet or regular what? And they would say, we're giving away free soft drinks to show, God's, uh, show people God's love in a practical way. But why? Just because God loves you. And reactions varied greatly. Some people smiled and shook their heads. Several mouths dropped open. Most were a little stunned to receive something for free. A UPS driver drove away saying, but I don't even know you guys. Why, why would you do something like this for me? See, being compassionate is intentional. It's looking for opportunities. It's a ways to show God's compassion to people, which we do not deserve. Actually, we deserve the opposite. We deserve his wrath. We deserve his condemnation. But he did not respond that way in Christ Jesus. He showed compassion to us, undeserved compassion. Be compassionate. Being compassionate recorrelates directly to knowing and believing in God's compassion for us. So the more that you are accepting God's love for you, then your heart will then just naturally flow, overflow with God's love for other people. And the more we think we're just like, yeah, I'm okay, then the less compassion we will have because we are not realizing that we're not okay. We're never okay. I am a sinful being. I've served as a pastor for 30 years, and I'll guarantee you I am a sinful being in need of God's grace every single day because my motives are always mixed up with what's best for Jeff. And until Jesus comes and frees me of that, that's always going to be in the mix, and that's sinful. But praise be to God, I'm redeemed, and he does enable me to do some good things. <laughs> because of his love for me and for you. Sin sucks the compassion out of our hearts when we fixate on ourselves. For example, this, I, I am so encouraged as a pastor to see how some of you yesterday responded to this sudden need that came up with one of our families in our church. And a bunch of you just responded to help this family move. And there was a lot of things that were, didn't go quite well. And I'm sure some of you probably changed your plans yesterday on a Saturday to help this family, and you went all out. And it was a tremendous showing of compassion 
for the love of God in a practical way to this family. So well done. Well done in the name of Jesus. And so let us be compassionate, brothers and sisters, because our God is compassionate. And we can show this part of the gospel truth in very practical ways by just being aware of people's needs around us rather than always just thinking of ourselves. And as 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Hear that transforming? The more we can acknowledge that God has comforted us and experience that personally, then we naturally comfort others. Or I should say, supernaturally comfort others. God is compassionate and gracious, abounding in love for you. He loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Are you going to love others? As we have been said in the second commandment, right? Love the Lord your God and love others. Love your neighbor. So may this heart of the habit of compassion be more and more part of you individually as a follower of Jesus, as Lord, and us as a church, corporately, that we will express the compassionate heart of God. Let's pray. Lord, may your love and truth that is embodied in Christ Jesus our Lord, expressed in him, in his words, in his life, in his act of dying on the cross, in your redemption of us, sinful, rebellious children. May this truth be proclaimed, may it ooze out of us. May we carry this aroma of Christ with us where we go. May it be evident to people, shocking, surprising the people when we act in, with acts of compassion. As the UPS driver said, why, why would you do this for me? You don't even know me because of your love for them. May this just build bridges for us to share who you are and what you have done for the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.